Hi, my name's Tara Humphrey and welcome back to the Business of Healthcare podcast, where I will be sharing interviews and insights from the field of healthcare. The Business of Healthcare podcast is brought to you by THC Primary Care, where we provide operations and project management to primary care networks. If you are a clinical director or a practice manager and your to-do list is growing by the minute and you could do with an extra pair of hands to support you to roll out your network-based contracts and projects, I would love to help you. We also provide consultancy and coaching advice to healthcare business owners and clinical leads looking to take the next step in their career or their business. Come and check us out at www.thcprimarycare.co.uk. Hey, and welcome back to the Business of Healthcare podcast. I hope you guys are doing well. So today, I'm really chuffed about this interview. I had the pleasure of interviewing Finn Robinson. Finn is the founder and director at Pure Physiotherapy Limited. And when I first met Finn, I didn't read his name properly. I was calling him Phil. And he was very kind. He didn't correct me. And then when I realized his name was actually Finn, I was very embarrassed. So in our interview, we talk about how Pure Physiotherapy got started. We talk about scaling and Finn talks about his ambitions for the organization and how they are choosing to grow. Finn also shares his approach to kind of the service development within their organizations and talks a lot about clarity, transparent data, ensuring they don't duplicate pathways which already exist and being proactive. I introduced Pure to one of my clients and I'm so glad that I did. Finn and I getting to know each other and I think one of the things I really want to convey is that from the moment I've met Finn and every interaction I have with him, like he's consistent, he's so positive, you know, absolutely knows his stuff and it's a real pleasure to be a client of his. This is a great interview. Get your pen. Uh, when he was, um, when we were talking, I was frantically writing loads of notes. It's another business of healthcare masterclass featuring Finn Robinson, founder and director of Pure Physiotherapy. Enjoy. Finn, welcome to the Business of Healthcare podcast. How are you doing? Very well, thanks, Tara. Yeah, thanks for inviting me. Oh, my pleasure. I've been wanting you on for ages. So, just a bit of context. Actually, how did we meet? I can't remember. I think it was via LinkedIn. You were, you were very clearly present on LinkedIn <laughs> and, and Twitter, and and uh, and with what you were doing with the PCN and primary care work, we were we were keen to, or I was keen to to get in touch. So, it was, I think it was via LinkedIn initially. Okay. So now Pure Physio are working with one of my clients. Could you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself and what you do? Yeah. So um, I run a company called Pure Physiotherapy. Um, It's been running since 2006. I set it up originally in South Yorkshire. I then moved to to Norfolk with my wife and family, which we we love. And we we started doing some work down here. And then the the business has grown really, or the clinics have grown. My background really is in, in physiotherapy specifically musculoskeletal physiotherapy and um, i've worked in sort of extended scope roles so roles where 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 i might be doing injections or referring for scans for about 15 years 
once we came down here and, and started growing the clinics, we were invited by the NHS to work with them on delivery of MSK care, musculoskeletal care into the community, which we did. And then in 2016, we started doing first contact physiotherapy um, trials through a CCG funding that was on the East Coast. That went really well and it grew and grew. So now we've got, we cover 45 plus PCNs across the country from Eastbourne to Liverpool to Manchester, Leeds, all of them, a lot of Norfolk, Bedfordshire and right down to Devon. And we we aren't interested in being huge, although we are quite big. We're interested in, in the quality and we've been really unashamed in that, that process. It's the quality. If we can't do something well, we'd rather not do it. That's been our ethos and it's worked touch wood very well so far. What made you choose physiotherapy? It's interesting. Not many people ask me that these days. Not that I work in this field now, but my dad had a friend who I didn't particularly know very well, but his son was the same age as me, born on the same day. And his son had a car accident and had a spinal injury. Now, I didn't know this this, um, boy particularly well, but my dad was really quite upset by it. And as a result, um, this 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 um, boy was struggling to have physiotherapy outside or care outside of the hospital setting where he lived, um, and it was it became quite distressing. So I did say to my dad at the time that maybe I'll I'll look at doing physiotherapy. I completely forgot about it then, and did all my A levels to do architecture. Applied to do architecture, was going to do architecture, and then just before I was about to start, I looked at the the first day of the prospectus, and it was the, pretty much within the first week. It was talking about the structural properties of concrete. And I thought, well, I'm not sure whether I want to draw buildings, not, not think about the structural properties of concrete. So I changed my mind and I went to my dad as a teacher, looked at his prospectuses in his sixth form at college and um, looked at the physiotherapy and thought, yeah, I'll just apply for that. So I applied for that. Didn't really know what it was particularly other than this memory I had as a, as a, as a younger, as a boy, really. Went to do a gap year in India for six months, came back and, and, and got into physiotherapy by the skin of my teeth. And it was a very good decision. I absolutely love it. 20, 20 odd years later, I really enjoy it. And at what point did you go from being a physio to, I want to run my own business? I was quite keen from quite early on to do something. It's quite an, it was one of those businesses where you can create your own practice, as it were. I like the idea of having doing things as I wanted to do them. When I was at university, the first year, I really wasn't too sure how much I enjoyed it. I did enjoy it. But by the second and third year, I really loved it. Uh, I loved the placements. I was lucky enough to go to the Bahamas for one of my placements. Right. Had some fantastic placements in the UK. And, and it showed me the different areas I worked in as, as a student or experienced made me think that I could I'd really enjoy having my own practice. So not long after qualifying, myself and, and a friend, um, Nigel Tilly, who I was at university with, we set up Pure Physiotherapy. We grew up from there. We then got an opportunity to work with the European Golf Tour, which Nigel, which Nigel took. He, he loves golf. So he's still working there. And I continued with Pure and um, we're still good friends. So we, we, we had a thought even at university really we'd like to do something along this line we didn't we couldn't have anticipated it'd be as it is now so yeah it's naturally grown and did you how did you learn to run the business is was that covered in your course uh, no we the course is very much focused really around nhs structure and, and provision and i did many years in the nhs um really even even up until sort of four or five years ago, I was still doing part-time work within the NHS in um, orthopaedic triage or extended scope roles. So when I qualified, it was it was quite normal to go, well, it was encouraged really, and rightly so, to go into the NHS. I did my rotations there where you sort of do six months or four months in different specialties 
in the hospital typically, uh, intensive care, paediatrics, orthopedics, outpatients, etc. From that point, then you can start specialising typically. So there was no thought to, to necessarily how to run a business other than this is probably how much it costs to have a patient come to see you. We need a room to do it from. The, 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 the Chartered Society of Physios is pretty helpful and there's an organisation within the Chartered Society which is specifically for physios in private practice. So there's some decent information out there. And, but a lot of it was just suck it and see. And it was, to start with, it's quite tricky because you start off seeing a patient here or a patient there or traveling to people's homes, then maybe a room somewhere. Uh, and you learn on the job very much with, with the business side of it. So you're quite sporty. When you said you kind of specialize in MSK, why did you not go down the sports physio or is it the same? Well, it's, there's a, there is a difference. I, I was fortunate enough in my sort of four or five years into to being a physio that um, I had opportunities to work in uh, elite sport with rugby and football. And I mentioned the, the golf, although I didn't really step into that too far. I, I, and what I really enjoy about physio is seeing someone that comes off the street, for, to make it simple, off the street with, with an unknown problem. So they've got back pain or foot pain or shoulder pain. It's affecting their life. And then as a physio, you can, you can assess, get a, get a working diagnosis, treat that diagnosis, reassess if it's not going where you want it to go, and then hopefully take them through the whole journey. In elite sport or in sport as, as, as a whole, that same process happens, but you're part of a, a bigger team often. So there might be a, a doctor, the access to scans. And I like the idea of, of helping just the general, general man off the street. So it's quite a difference. I also found sports quite political and quite stressful whereas you know it's, it's, it's a little bit simpler and it's a little bit um you can really make a big difference to people's lives you can in sport with this with the sport but you can make a huge difference and it makes a it gives you a very good feeling I think when you, when you achieve that so when I say you're quite sporty tell our listeners what you do I enjoy I enjoy doing things and, and I enjoy the gojo challenge that, that you're on as well at the minute Tara um so I enjoy running cycling swimming um, I've really recently started enjoying CrossFit, which doesn't help with any of the three things really at all. Um, but I, I go most days now. So I do half Ironmans or Ironman distance triathlons. Been doing one a year for a little while. And I intend on keep doing that till I'm at least 50 odd. So I've got eight years still to go on, on, on that challenge. But yeah, I really enjoy and, and I find it really important for work and, and for life. Um, I was talking to my wife last night that I think if I don't exercise every day, and this is probably mainly mental now, that I struggle to just just process some things during the day. So I do find it really important. So I do at least an hour or up to three hours exercise probably every day. Just go enjoy it. I'm not particularly good at it. So no one needs to think that I'm... Oh, that's a lie. That is a lie. That is an absolute fat lie. So to just to give the listeners a bit of context, so Finn asked me to be part of this gojo challenge where it's against another team so it's pure physiotherapy against push doctor dan bunstone's been on the podcast as well so the two organizations compete against each other for the most points and finn sold it to me he sold it to me like it's just like this little bit of fun and so i was like yeah I'm, you know i'm a little bit active so it's it's a month long and i, I keep saying to mark at the end of this i'll get my life back like Every time we start to drop the points, Finn's in the WhatsApp group going, come on, guys, come on, guys. It's intense. Yeah, it's, it's, it's hard really work. It is hard work. It's really good. I think that what's, what I've, we, we've done a couple of these challenges now. We did one internally 
and, and Gojo is made by um, a couple of chaps that um, at university, they, they set up a challenge internally with, with their friends at university. And when they qualified from university, they got to the point where they were still doing these challenges with friends and they ended up booking sort of running tracks and all sorts of things. And none of them are particularly athletic, but they wanted to have this sort of challenge. And they, they, that's how they sold it to me. And I, the idea was, especially during the times we are now, everyone's remote working this last year, we've got you know 100 physios around the country. And I hadn't met some of them, which I find really tricky you know, I've talked to them on teams and, and whatever else but so we wanted something where we could bring them together we normally do quite a lot of social things so these sorts of challenges Gojo has been really really helpful in making people that I don't I've never even met we're still on chat groups going come on yeah. do an extra do an extra get out and we were, we were what we were getting up at or getting out in the evenings this is during the winter at sort of nine o'clock at night for, for 10k walks because no one could run anymore because we're, we're in pieces so it's been really um <laughs> as you know so it's been really really good and I think this last year with with the lockdown periods, the way we've had to adapt our business and how we work, how we keep our staff engaged has has been challenging. But things like that challenge, the way we're using Gojo and the way we're using some of the digital teams, etc., has been fantastic. And had we not made those moves and used those things that are out there, I think we'd be we'd be struggling to attain the great team that we are we've currently got. So it's good. And it is hard work. It is hard work. Um, I think there's a really important message there. And I think what's really nice is that I don't work for Pure. So the fact that you have asked people outside of your organisations and I got to know you and got to know other members of your team, I think it's, I've I speak about this in another episode, but it's a, it's a really nice way to network, but it doesn't feel like you're networking and it's a really good way to utilise social media. I think it's fantastic. Yeah, it is, it is really good. You 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 were particularly selected because you do quite a lot as well. I think you may be a bit modest. Strategic. Yeah, if, if, yeah, you were strategic, yeah. If you didn't ever do any running or walking, we'd probably want that now. <laughs> but uh, it's, uh, I, think, I think Dan was a little bit <laughs> unsure as to that motive, but yeah, it's pretty clear. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, you're a very, very welcome member of the team. And we've only got four days to go, so hopefully we'll we'll win. Cool. So we were just talking before we started recording about scaling. And investment. And I think obviously this, this, the podcast is called The Business of Healthcare. And I think we lots of organisations that have been on that have taken investment and that's fantastic. And I was saying that I want a small, lean machine. I want a lifestyle business. I want to work really hard and then I want to go off and I want to be able to leave the business and do Everest, you know, and, and travel and enjoy my hard work. What is your approach? And when you mentioned you don't want to be huge, but you're big, you've got 100 physios and you haven't met some of them. Like, what's your view on scaling? It's a, it's a great question. And, and we, we, I'm very ambitious, whether it's in personal achievement, you know, these things like doing the Ironman. It is painful doing these sorts of distance events, but, but I enjoy doing it because it's a, it's a personal internal challenge. Uh, and, and it work as well. I, I want to be, I'd like to be seen to be a, a great clinician and a good leader uh, and these sorts of things and and sometimes you can set yourself up for fails by this sort of approach but unfortunately that's just how I am and so with work when we had the opportunity well when I originally had the opportunity to move into some of these advancing roles years ago 15 odd years ago I really took it and it meant I had to put myself through a master's and then some other qualifications and do an awful lot of additional work which I was happy to do to put myself forward put myself forward and then when we build the business if an opportunity comes along that would allow a clinical development, we, I really want to take it. So the first contact physio role that was has been around for some time, although really in many people's eyes has been around since last April when the additional roles reimbursement scheme came out. 
that allowed us to, to, to grow what we were already doing. And it is a bit of a wild west out there in terms of this good and bad providers in every walk of every business. Yeah. And I wanted to be one of the, the, the good providers and someone that, that everyone could look at and think that's a, that's a good company. They're, they've got good work ethics. They've got good um, business ethics and they're doing it for, for the right reasons. You know, not profiteering out of something, but, but trying to grow things, which has been great. The problem with that approach, I think, is a really good approach. And other people think it's a good approach. And therefore, you get more opportunities. And therefore, it's difficult to say no. We have said, said no sometimes. But in most cases, we've said, yes, we can do that. We can support that. And then we've had the growing pains that come with that. So we've had to get in good managers. And that's that's challenging, getting people that are, that are not good leaders, nice leaders. I want nice people in our organization. And I don't want too many like me because it, would, it wouldn't function. So we've got why, people. Why is it challenging to find because nice leaders? I think within physio, we, we are, pure physio is clinically led. So we've got, we're completely led by clinicians. We've got, we've got lots of people helping us to, to lead, but the actual leadership is, is clinically based. And to find good clinicians who are also keen on leading teams right. in the right way is, is difficult, I think. We've done it. We've got, great, we've got a fantastic team. And as we've grown, we then have to add more support to those teams. So we've got a big base in Manchester, there's all Northwest, big base in Yorkshire, and a big base now in Norfolk, and a, a pretty decent base in London as well now. So we are growing these teams of people, and then many, many remotely. And supporting them has meant that the growth has happened naturally, but we have to, I'm really aware that we can't just grow by saying yes to, to opportunities. We have to put in place the, the support structure for those staff to do that job properly. You were saying earlier on, you, know, you don't want to create loads of loads of yous, and I don't want to create loads of me's. I want to create people that, that, are, that are great and support them to be the best they can be. And it has worked really well. That model has worked really well. I get quite emotional about it sometimes because it's, oh. it's you know, the, I haven't met all the staff. Traditionally, we always, I would have always met the staff. We do a lot of social things. Things like Gojo has been brilliant, but we're, I'm now more and more relying on the team that we've built. Um, and I see it very much as we rather than me, very much. To, to support that growth and it's been they've each member of the team is, is rewarding us all by working hard and I think we've got a great ethos within within pure physio at the minute around that but it has grown I mean hugely this last year uh, and that's been challenging what's your role what's your day-to-day role because I was quite surprised so and when I asked that is that you came along to meet one of my clients and I was just really surprised that you do that still yeah I, I i um the problem is i love what i do and i love every aspect of what i do if i could do more i, I would um but i wouldn't have a house or a wife anymore so i have to try and limit <laughs> myself in some ways and so you know i i really what i've done and i think it's maybe it's unusual you know i trained as a physio i love physio 20 20 years later i love still treating patients i love that same person that walks off the street but we don't know what's wrong with them they've got a bad back and it's impacting their life I still want to see that person physically myself or virtually. So I'll, so I have I've made sure that people with some of the people we brought in are doing the jobs that me as a director perhaps should be doing more. And I've, that's allowed me to do some of the stuff that I want to do, which is still treat patients, still be in front of people talking and, and, and chatting about what we want to do, where we want to be, but actually also doing it. So the organizational side of it, the, the operational side of it, you met Tom, He's fantastic. We've got Kay who does the clinic side. She's fantastic. We've got a great team that are much better organizers and, 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 and doers than I am. And I think that's been, that's definitely been deliberate. I, I know my, 
I hope I know my faults and an organisation is is one. <laughs> so do you see a point, what's the future of your role? Do you, so you're saying you're still where you can kind of go to pitch meetings and sell the vision, but in the future, what do you want to be doing? What are you best placed to be doing? Um, like you mentioned with your, your hopes for the business in terms of keeping it to a level where you can control and you can enjoy it and you can deliver the, the, the quality you want to deliver and enjoy the life that you want to have. My aspiration isn't to grow to, to, to continually. It's to, to get to a point where we're really happy. If there's opportunities, which there always are, and they, they increase every, every week, then we'll, we'll look at that. But I think in terms of where I want to see myself and, and grow, um, I'm happy just for it to evolve. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not wedded to a certain timeline or a, a certain direction. Getting in the right staff, getting in the right team and allowing them to bring their ideas and allowing them to develop is brilliant and I'm really enjoying that. So we're developing a, a big area around sport. We've got some um, physios who have got many, many years in, in elite sport that have got particular interest in, in that and they want to develop that. And I'm, that's that's out of my skill set really and I'm happy to support them in that and that's that's another area that grows. So really I see my role is just encouraging people to develop their own roles and develop within the company. So, you know, I, I, it, it comes from a genuine enjoyment of what we do and a recognition of, we can't do it all. And if we get someone that's really good at doing something and they're keen to do something, then why not support them in doing that if it makes sense for the business? And generally speaking, it has done. We've not had any occasion I can think of where we've thought this is a good project, we've done it and it's it's failed. And I'm sure we will have that. I'm sure we will have that. You know, I'm quite an enthusiastic person, as, as you know, and uh, <laughs> yeah. generally speaking, things work out. And if they don't, well, they, they don't. Well, I'm sure something else will come along. So, so yeah, well, I'm I'm pretty organic in how we'd like to see things grow. Quality is the key. Look at the opportunities. If they make sense and we're confident we can deliver them really well, then we'll, we'll do it. And I think we're looking with some other collaborations with the NHS at the moment, and there's some great things coming through from that and in private sector as well. So, but I can't do it all, and I think that's it's been a good lesson to learn. Yeah, just to trust the people that are around you. Yeah. So we talk a lot on this podcast around selling into the NHS and it can be quite difficult. How, have, how do you guys do it? I think PCNs have been a big help to us because we are able to, to talk to a, a, a smaller commissioning level, so a local level. So Norwich is a really nice example where um, we, it's quite a big PCN, Norwich. It's 23 practices, um, I think. Uh, and it's, it's it's quite a big one, and they've split it into to quarters. But they were looking to do something quite different to what had been done locally in the pathways before. So we we went in with the idea. We'd already been working with the CCG locally anyway, so we had sort of evidence of us doing that. Uh, and that then they took that model. It's worked really really well. And then we we went to talk to other PCNs from that, and that worked that went fantastically. But so we've not found. We've not gone to CCG level. We've gone generally to, to okay. PCNs, although the original sort of opening door was via CCG. And I think the, the, the way in which healthcare is commissioned, because it keeps changing, I think it, it's been able to, to recognise that and show where you can add value that isn't already there. So we're really keen. One of the things we, we pitch, and uh, you would hopefully remember when we, when we talked to, to the PCN, we mentioned that you support was we don't want to duplicate what's already there. So if there's already a pathway that's there, we, we don't want 
to, yeah. to, to duplicate that. We want to create something that's going to add value or offload uh, in, in FCP situation, offload GPs, nurse practitioners. And we're really clear with that, with our goal. And I think having clarity of what you're trying to sell or the service you're trying to sell and how that will help really helps the commissioners to realize actually there's a value to this. And then what we're also, I think, good at in Pure is data. So we collect data for every, um, it's anonymized, but every patient contact we have, we collect data for it. Now we present that data back to the commissioning bodies. In this case, it's the PCNs uh, or CCG or federations. And, and, and having clarity, so we'll do the good and the bad. So we'll be really you know, transparent. If there's something's gone wrong, we will tell them it's gone wrong. So that rather than getting a phone call or email six weeks later saying, actually, Finn, this wasn't great. We're saying, look, to be honest, we could improve on this. And we found that over the five years we've been doing FCP, the best way to be. Um, that honesty, I think, has really put us in good stead. So clarity with the message, honesty when things go right and when they go wrong, and what you can do to, to and proactiveness with that. So demonstrating that before you're asked for it, that's the, that's the outputs. And, and showing how we got to those outputs. I think that's been really helpful with us. Um, and, and just being, being, being honest. And, and I think it helps me as a... As a being a clinician, talking to some of the CDs, the clinical directors and whatnot, because I, I want to have all the questions asked of, of me, of our service, so that we can give them confidence that what we're talking about is something we really know. And that's where I mentioned there's a few opportunities where we've not taken those opportunities, and that's because they're slightly outside of, of where we want to be. And actually, we haven't got the expertise to be confident in saying we'll definitely deliver a great job. So we've, we've, we've declined one or two things this last year where I wasn't confident we could do it perfectly and our, our time and efforts are best spent on what we know well um and so that's that's been helpful as well i think have you experienced any moments in the business where you've either really made a mistake or you've really doubted your own ability frequently doubting my own ability i think that's that's um hopefully life if not i've got problems but um when when we first moved to norfolk one of the, one of the hardest time i ever had in business when we first moved to norfolk this is 10 years ago um, nearly 11 because it was when my little boy was was born we had a really really thriving practice all private practice based in, in in south yorkshire i moved to norfolk which is where my wife was from and that was for sort of family support and, and life reasons we've got chickens and pigs up the garden now i've not got pigs actually they're in the freezer but we've got chickens and oh, um, no, things yeah sorry i'm vegetarian <laughs> okay well they're, they're organic free range at least the very least they have a very happy life um but the chickens are fine we don't eat them they're just the eggs but i've had some <laughs> this morning and so we, we moved here for those reasons and, and i was still going to work i still worked a few days in sheffield and we had the, the, the rest of the team up there working and when we did that move um one of the big um, companies who worked with supplied one of the big private companies took all their work in house and that happened more or less overnight so we went from having a really successful business leaving my extended scope role jobs and our, our good job great jobs in the NHS to come down to Norfolk and then we lost pretty much the business and it was a very interesting time looking back at it now at the time it was horrendous because I thought I've ruined our family I've my wife's pregnant we've got one daughter who's already here we've moved to a big house in the countryside, which we can't now afford. We'd got a new car as well at the time. The whole thing was uh, uh, terrible. Now, ultimately, it worked out really well. The company involved supported us in, in being able to supply Norfolk with that same contract for a few years until that, 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 their model changed. And that allowed us to, to diversify and do what we're doing now. So ultimately, it was a brilliant thing. And what it taught me is I was getting overconfident, probably a vanity around my business skills which were naive when i look back very very naive very dependent on one 
contract, which was huge and it's brilliant. And we had a great relationship yeah, with them. Yeah, we've been there. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, so that was the that was the weakest point, and actually, but also without doubt, it was the best thing that's happened to me in business. And if if someone had said that to me at the time, my father-in-law kind of did, and it was the worst thing he said. But also, he was really wise. He'd been through similar things himself in business, and he said, "Look, this this will work out fine. Don't worry about this. Try this, this." And when you're in that place, I don't think you can see it. You can't see the there is no positives. You can only see the sort of abyss thankfully we worked through that and and looking back now or even two or three years after that i thought god that was the best thing that happened it really kicked me the bum to think i need to look at what else we can do diversify not relying on one supplier or one one customer or one major customer uh, or if you do making sure you're retaining enough asset in the in the business to to survive if something happened we would we would probably touch and go at that point and it, it did ultimately work out really well for us so and I'm free, in terms of doubting, probably most days I think I'm, I'm not doing enough, or I've, I've not sent that proposal back, or and that comes back to then bringing in the right people to support you in that, or, or to support the, the, the company in that. I think I've learned that massively over the last few years is bringing in the right people, so it's not just on you, your shoulders, and it's not just on their soldiers. You're trying to do things as as a bit of a team. It's it's continually learning, which is what I like about about business, really. How do you balance your fitness, family, and work? I I think I've got a very good balance, and and my Vicky just just gone out, so I, I can say that <laughs> out loud. Yeah. But um, she she hopefully she'd agree. The beauty of how we run Pure, and and I hope this is true for anyone that works within Pure, is we try and be very flexible. So we've got people at work; they they do the school drop off in the morning. They then work till two o'clock do the school pick up have a couple of hours then get back jump back on the on the work from six o'clock through till eight o'clock it suits some people with half days shorter days you know or longer days if they want so that that goes right from from a junior member of staff or administration member of staff right through to, to myself so i i feel you know I'll, I'll pick up and drop off the children we've got three children twice a week every week do all the after school stuff twice a week every week taking swimming do these sorts of things, but then other days I'll work, I'll, I'll leave before they're up and I'll get back before they're, before, after they get to bed. So I, I think the way in which I work, I would do a lot of hours, but the way in which I think I work allows us to, to maintain that balance. And things like the sport is a, is a more tricky one. The fitness thing is a more tricky one. And my wife would probably say my work-life balance is good. My exercise-life balance probably probably is tricky because if you're training for something like an Ironman or, you know, the, the Everest thing you'll be doing, I mean, these, these, are, these aren't easy events to do. You train for something like that. If you're train for a marathon, you need to have two or three hour runs. And that's, that's a significant amount of time once or twice a week. And then the cycling is again, could be, could be a six hour training session and then the swimming to get to the swimming pool. So I try and do things very early in the morning, which doesn't naturally suit me. I was at CrossFit this morning at six which means getting about half five, which if someone had said that to me four years ago, I said, there's no way I'm going to be doing <laughs> half five get-ups because what, what sounds ridiculous. But I do find it really helps me to keep focused and keep calm. And I am, my wife sometimes says, are you not stressed about this? I've got, uh, you know, I, I love property as well. I've got about 20 rental houses or maybe slightly more. I love doing different things, um, shares and everything. You mentioned Bitcoin earlier. I love, I just find it all interesting. And I think I'd struggle perhaps to have all these things going on in my mind if I wasn't that way inclined and also if I wasn't doing something like, like I say, CrossFit this morning is great because you, 
has no benefit to my triathlon training, but but it does mean you can't think about anything else. When you're so exhausted on a run or on a bike ride or a swim or, or any sort of exercise, you're so mentally, physically exhausted, your brain's just, I think it's like taking the plug out of the wall and plugging it back in and it allows everything just to settle down and then you can reboot when you get back in the car afterwards and think, okay, I better go through these things. So I think it's good. I think my balance is, is quite good. I've got a week off next week, which is extraordinary. I'm going to London with the children, see the crown jewels. But yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty good. I think it's okay. It's always a challenge, I think, especially as the kids, my children are young, as they're growing up, you don't want to miss anything. And inevitably, that, that balance is hard to strike, I think. But I, I think it's pretty good. I, I hope Vicky would agree with me if she was here. Um, hopefully she would. And last question, when thinking about your business journey to date, what is the one piece of advice you would give to somebody that is thinking, that's a clinician, thinking about starting their own private practice, private business? As you can see, I like talking. So if it's one thing, um, I would probably say, I'll do a couple of things. Firstly, when you start, expect it to not go particularly well you might be a phenomenal clinician you could be a lovely person you could have the best premises you won't be busy it will take a little while sometimes years i think for that to become busy and you have to accept that and i think you have to recognize that some patients might want to come on a tuesday morning the next patient might be a tuesday evening the next patient could be a wednesday two or three on a wednesday so being flexible with how you manage those initial customers i think it's really important to build your reputation with those customers would be the first thing. And the second thing is to, if you, if you really enjoy it, you have to enjoy it. If you're not enjoying it, join a team, do something else, because it can be when you set something up, it can be, some people can find it such a struggle. It always is a struggle. And if you're not enjoying it, then I think it's, it's probably, it's probably not worth doing. Yeah. I saw a really nice thing on, on LinkedIn the other day about mental health said of the price. If the price of something is your mental health, then the price is too high or something like that. And it was, it's a really good thing. So recognize what you can do and what you enjoy doing and don't push yourself to do something you don't enjoy i think it's probably something I'd, I'd, I'd say is true finn if people want to connect with you or find out about pure physiotherapy where's the best place i think probably linkedin's really good We're on twitter as well um but linkedin pure physiotherapy on there we're, we're pretty active on there and um and i'm on i'm on linkedin as well i actually find it a really good platform yeah. uh, i only only started doing it last may uh, last march i was skiing for the first time in a long time and i'm useless so I sat at the top of the, the slope and just set up a LinkedIn profile and I've been doing it since then. So I find it really quite good. And you can mess. So especially if yeah, you've won business from there. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. Well, you're an example. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. so much for joining us if you like what you hear I would absolutely love it if you left us an iTunes rating and five star review I know many of you give us a shout out on social media which is lovely to see you guys listening to the podcast so please come and find us on Twitter at THC Primary Care on Instagram at THC Primary Care and on LinkedIn just look for Tara Humphrey and if you're not subscribed to our newsletter please do it's really really funny you get to hear more insights more confessions some tips and tools and a roundup of our activity over the week so click on join the newsletter in the show notes and I will see you in the next episode.